So anyway, Scott Hewitt on the podcast. This is, we're going to get into a ton of different things. We've already, this is always my problem, Scott. When I start the podcast, I never hit record in a timely fashion. And so the pregame where we're talking and getting to know each other a little bit, feeling out how we're going to map this conversation um, is usually some of the best stuff. And I always miss it, man. So <laughs> this is just another reminder why I got to hit record while we start, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, Scott Hewitt, 25 years in the fire service, second generation, a man above the northern border from southern Ontario, Canada. He's got a love for the fire service, a passion for our people. Um, he is the host and runs Multiple Calls Podcast, which is a very successful podcast platform and social media platform that's been out there since 2018, I, I believe, if I did my homework correctly. Yeah. Um, Scott, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. The privilege isn't lost on me, so much appreciated. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's just fun. I think you and I started right around kind of the same time frame when it came to putting out the podcast, starting to talk about the job, focusing on, you know, uh, the other side of firefighting. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's I find today and I want to I want to run this past you and I, I would love to get your perspective on it. I find today that a lot of what we're talking about in the fire service, especially in the podcast platform, and then where we're looking at people that are authoring books and people that are offering classes, everything seems to lead back to leadership. Where, mm -hmm. where the fire service is truly a blue-collar job where we should be teaching skills, technical abilities, tactical operations and considerations, things that you would think people are starving to be better at. And they are. But there's this movement right now where everybody's thirsting for leadership. Mm -hmm. To me, I've been wrapping my brain around that and asking myself why. Why is leadership such a popular topic today, more so now than it's ever been? And I know that with your platform and the circles you run in and wh who you talk to and what you're doing, a lot of it is leadership-based, and it's people that have – you know, put themselves out front and sharing ideas and opportunities on how to teach leadership or how to uh, instill leadership values into individuals. I'd love your perspective on this because this is something I've been dissecting for quite a while now, and I really haven't talked about it much. Mm. But I'd love to get your uh, your take on it. No, I notice it too. Um, I always love to give a counter perspective, so let me just flip it um, for you know devil's advocate's sake, just so we can you know punch it this in a different direction. Leadership, talking about leadership, can also be low hanging fruit, right? Mm. Um, it could be, it could also be used as a distraction, a way to avoid what we're supposed to own in and of ourselves, because if we're always pointing and saying, "Well, it's leadership," "Well, it's leadership," "Well, they don't lead properly," then we you know, put the blame on somebody else. And now there's nothing for us to own when it comes to what we do. So I'm always about balance, like even just ahead of the us talking, right? We talked about the balance of like grit and vulnerability. I, I always want to see, okay, let's look at both like both extremes of the, of the spectrum. And let's try and find the middle. Obviously, leadership's important. We need, you know, we have that structure, we are being mentored, um, you know, there's, there's informal leaders and there's former leaders. None of what has really been being talked about, I, I would say I disagree with, but I think it is something that we can over harp on and over focus on. Um, and then sometimes that, uh, that disempowers us, right? We're like, well, it would get better if we had better leadership. It's almost like with stigma and mental health, right? We, stigma is a real thing. Stigma occurs. Stigma needs to be discuss but if all we ever do is talk about the stigma and the stigma and the stigma we just keep repeating it over and over and over again eventually we we have to realize we've talked that out we've addressed it it exists we're working on it and we need to move on to the next thing that we need to work on or else we always get stuck on a single topic and we're not going to progress hopefully that's I, answered your question oh no there's there's so much there i want to unpack right now i think that i would just want to rewind just a little bit there accepting ownership I think it's easy to point fingers, and I think it's easier to look at fault elsewhere and not in our own home, not in our own within. And, um, and I think you bring up a very good point. I think people are starving. It's funny. I was, uh, I'm working on a project right now, and it's, uh, it has to do with um, something that we're going to be putting out, a, a material product. 
And I was looking at, for inspiration, at things in my office at home. And in my home office, I have a pennant hanging up that was a gift from the guys at Elkhart Brass. And it says, we're drowning for information. Wait, hold on. We're drowning in information, mm. but starving for wisdom, right? Sorry, I had to look around my computer screen to get it. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Like, when you, when you dissect that and, and break that down, right? There's so much to that. And I think that that parallels what we're talking about very much here is that we, we have to do more to look at ourselves. We have everything in front of us, but it's easier to point the finger or grasp at it than it is to accept it or own it. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that? Yeah. And even playing devil's advocate with, say, podcasting and social media and stuff, like at, at some point, the, talk, the talking about it has to stop and the doing has to start. Like... That's where the real learning happens. So if we're always talking about leadership and and we're not actually just you know putting it aside for a minute, okay, well let's integrate it now. Let's let's integrate it. Let's actually start to do the thing, and we can do it in a messy way. We can do it imperfectly. And um, at some point, you got to put the talking aside, and you just have to get to work and and see how it goes. That's the experience, and from the experiences of doing it imperfectly, and that's where the learning comes from, and that's where wisdom comes from, right? So. You can read all the books and you can do all the certifications and you can listen to all the podcasts, but at some point you have to stop listening and start doing, right? And start seeing how you can actually put it into practice. And that's the messy thing. So even with, yeah, I think that's what it is with the drowning in information. If you're always yeah. stuck with your nose in the information, you're not living your life and out there doing it. So, you know, as much as we're both on social media and trying to put out good content to, to help the culture grow properly, at some point, you got to put the phone down and you got to pick up the ladder and you just have to do the work. Brother, this the best thing I ever did was start this podcast and social media platform because it's held me more accountable than ever before in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had I've run it in a lot of different avenues and I've done a lot of different things. I, I, I ran a family business. I have my own, you know, that we that we sold. We, I, you know, the firehouse for 29 years. I have my family, four children, a wife like responsibilities in life but one of the most unbelievable things that happened with national fire radio when i started it was it made me have to hold myself accountable more than ever when it comes to the fire service and that's transposed then into my real life it's made me a better person because if i'm going to be out here speaking it and talking it and sharing my experiences and being fully transparent like there's nothing i don't really talk about i don't talk about the few things in my life you know we all have our struggles and different things that we deal with but like the only way this works is if we're transparent if we're honest if we're upfront. i have faults i'm not good at certain things there are things that i struggle and drop every single day but it's what do you do about that right and i think that national fire radio for me has truly held me more accountable do you feel the same way with everything that you do with multiple calls podcast interviewing people sharing the good word pushing this job forward in retrospect there's got to be a large amount of accountability on the back end for you sure and that even starts with you know being more senior and then having rookies like in that uh, individual personal uh, interaction um you know you are showing them things and trying to set them up and then if you're going to say it you know just in front of that individual you're you're they're watching to see if you're actually going to play it out and then you could extend that to being a you know a shift instructor within your department or doing some training with your crew or becoming an instructor outside your department all these things are push you out of your comfort zone and really challenge you and a real turning point for me was 15 years in when i went into the training division for three years and that's when i really started to learn what I didn't know. That was a real, you know, blood drain from the face kind of moment. Um, you know, I took nozzle forward, I went to FDIC and my whole world blew open. And, you know, I, I realized so that yeah, was I, 15 years in. Yeah. And I real again, it's just exposure. And I, what I think is yes. great, what I think is great now. And I think that's what part of the podcast is. And this is what I'm trying to do with like the rules lists and how I interact with rookies is I want them to get there, you know, 10 times faster than I did. I want them to, you know, have a, have them have that moment immediately uh, so that they don't get so far in. Like, because really, we only had control. I only ever had control over the experiences I had. So it just happened to play out that way for me. And you and I also didn't have, I mean, of course, there was Fire Injury Magazine. There was, there were, there were things around, but we weren't inundated with information. 
um, and conversations uh, and, and knowledge like we are now. Uh, so maybe that's why it took me 15 years. Like I was always coachable. I was always but, keen. I was always trying. I always cared, but um, I really didn't know what I didn't know. Years, those 15 years though were hard fought years that you're putting in and then a door was opened for you, which I had to think that after 15 years, that moment of aha, holy crap, I've been seeking this. I've been looking for this. There's more out there. That door got open to you after 15 years of, of hard labor on your own. Man, yeah, rewarding, it, though, no? it is. Uh, it, but it's also incredibly humbling because you look back. This is where you don't where you're learning about. I didn't know what I didn't know. So you look back at all at calls you were on where you thought they went OK and you thought and you realize, oh, my God, I got lucky. I was just getting lucky, you know, many yeah. times. I And I couldn't have the experience. If you didn't have the knowledge, I couldn't have the experience you know, frame it with what I was taught or knew and be able to reflect on it and then really see it for what it was and then make the change. You just had the experience. You took away, you know, ignorantly what you could from it and you move forward with it where you probably could have taken so much more if you had, mm. you know, other guidance and other things to help you frame it. So this is why this environment we're in now is so beneficial because you can look at what you did, you know, reflect on what you did, very often with body, you know, say you've got um, helmet cams that you can watch what you did <laughs> and you can bounce this off other people and, you know, take a class or watch other videos and you can really frame what happened to you and learn from it as opposed to ignorantly trying to pull from something based on, you know, literally your own personal experience of it. So I just think the, the more calls I go on now, I can really learn from them because I've got so much more content uh, yes. to filter them through my, my, my lens is yeah. way different. My lens is different. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good way to put it. And I love that. I do though. I, there's so much opportunity today and you know, they talk about the fire service, not the same as it used to be. The guys aren't the same. Everything's not the same. And of course it's not going to be right. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly changing. But when, when you have somebody like yourself, that's senior in stature that you have years in and you, and you want to share the experiences that you've learned along the way to better the next guy, that next generation, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I think that your, your view on that is, is uh, really incredible. Um, I love how you just frame that in the context, the con, you know, your lens is different. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that people need to have some struggles in the beginning. I think they need to kind of find their way just a little bit, I know we have to push, we have to teach and tutor and give them the respect and opportunities that are afforded to them. But I also think it's important, too, to recognize that individuals are going to have struggles, especially in the beginning. They're going to have to kind of find their way. They, I'm a believer that, you know, you, you got to get kicked in the teeth every once in a while. Um, I think that that helps build the person you become. And so, you know, opening doors and having somebody like yourself to allow those doors to be opened to this next generation, it's huge. It's opportunity. It's giving them that context that they need. And I agree with you. Too often we're getting lucky. And if you don't have anything to reference that against, you're going to chalk it up to, yeah, we did a good job. Mm -hmm. Right? I still struggle and I still get kicked in the teeth. <laughs> so, I don't, I, oh I don't think God, that ever goes away. Time. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. I was just talking I, to a... I was talking to a colleague this morning about, um, we call it the lobster trap, but the wire box, you know, when you do firefighter survival, do you guys have yep. the wire box? Yeah. Call it, right. It's called a bunch of different things, but, um, and we were talking about how to frame that for ourselves and for students. Um, and I've even had students be surprised that I'll go through it first and, and show them, right? Like, well, we don't very often see sure. the instructor, like go through it first. Sure. And then I'll joke with them. I'll like, well, it's not for you. It's for me. Like, I, I just want to do another rep of it. <laughs> So, um, but the, I've seen students and, you know, and firefighters just kind of fly through it sometimes. Like you get lucky, right? You're in the right position the wires are where they are and you fly through. And so I like to frame it for everybody that the point is to get stuck. The point is to get wrapped up as bad as you possibly can and then figure it out. And that's why kind of the wire box is a really cool prop because it's different every time. Right. And. I want to get jammed up. I want to have to maybe take my pack off in there and figure it out. Uh, I don't want to sail through as an instructor and go, look, I've done this five times. So now I can just, 
you know, I'm perfect at it, right? right? Yeah, there's no, there's no learning that comes from that. Like what, what, I might as well have not even gone through the box at all. So I think the more we can put these experiences in context and realize that, you know, we want to notice when we screw up, we want struggles, we want problems to arise, because then, then we're challenged to put into action what we're trying to learn. uh, And you're going to learn something new from it. So yeah, uh, the more we can get jammed up, the better. Where does this come from? Like, wh- were you always like this? Did you, did you recognize the importance for struggle when you were younger, early in your career, even your childhood? Like, I mean, I, I talk about on my platform a couple, t- a couple of humbling moments in my life that really made me take pause. Did you have those moments? Were you raised this way? Like, where does this come from? Because not everybody can speak like this and speak mm. to this. Uh, well, maybe it's two parts. I think I've always been... Uh, I've had that empathy, compassion, that softness in me. Mm. Um, and that, and sometimes you, you don't want that as a kid, right? Cause you, this will, this will dovetail in, right? So I didn't have it easy as a kid, right? I got pushed around a lot and bullied and, and it wasn't always that as, as hard nosed as, as the kids around me. So, you know, and I felt different and as an outsider and, and so you're always sort of, you know, you start to believe what people tell you and you think this is a bad thing and you feel not good enough and, um, and, uh, you really struggle. Uh, so a, you do have to kind of harden up, you know, it does harden you up being in and going through that experience, which is a good thing, right? You do need to be hardened up in life. Life shouldn't be bubble wrapped and, and soft for you. That's not the way it should be. It's not the way life is. So in part, that's really good. Um, but it would have been nice maybe to have that other side of me more supported and understood and recognized. Um, and for, for, for some reason, I think it just really held on. I think it made me really, uh, help see people that were struggling and it helped me recognize others that were, you know, um, struggling in the same way. It made me feel empathy for them and compassion for them. So um, I think that made me really want to help care for people. It made me want to fight for the underdog. Um, I think that's really what made me want to get into helping people in, in this type of career. So, But then the career is really challenging and gritty, right? So I have to have to harden up to be able to do that. So I think um, from wanting to help people and in, and in a time uh, and in a job that is I, I see the job as the great equalizer. To me, it's a great equalizer. It doesn't matter what socioeconomically, it doesn't matter what traits you have about you. You're in the same situation in everybody's body and everything reacts pretty much the same way, right? So it equalizes the playing field. We're all the same. And when it really comes down to it, this is what matters. So I think in short, that's what drew me into the job. But then I, this softer empathy, compassionate part of me, um, I found it made me better with patients, right? Better with, uh, victims, better with understanding families when they're, you know, we're, um, helping their family member that's VSA. Like I, and I, for, I guess it's a good thing that I didn't shove and push and try to disconnect from that softer side of me. And I was able to integrate it into the grit. Right. And so I'm, I think I'm constantly working on that. I don't think I have it mastered, but I'm glad I'm Mm. able to, I'm glad I'm able to visualize and feel both sides and really strive hard in both directions at the same time. I'm, I'm just, I'm taking a pause because it, uh, it's making me think a lot about in, in some regards of where I am. And I didn't learn a lot of that until later in life. I didn't learn a lot of that up until probably within the last six to 10 years the importance of empathy, the importance of compassion, um, respect for others more so now than ever. Like these are things that I believe are what legacy is built on. I think this is what is important, what we need more of. I think that there is a larger disconnect from these core values more so now than ever before. Um, and so good for you. I just, you know, that's, that was powerful, man. The last few minutes here were, were super deep and I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Um, I think that that finding that balance, right. For yourself, whether it's through training or just being a senior man in the firehouse, a mentor, um, there's a, there's a way to, there's a way to mentor. There's a way to craft and shape the message for the next generation. And it's how it's a lot of it. I talk about is like delivery. How do we deliver? The message how are we hard some days how are we hard nose some days with them and softer the next day right and it's mm-hmm. finding that 
balance to make the next guy better. There's, I know you talk about vulnerability and how important that is, um, and that has a lot to do with your own, your own beliefs and where you are. And you can't allow yourself to be vulnerable unless you're in a good place yourself. Correct? Uh, I don't know. I, I would play devil's advocate on that too. Where you know I've had some really really hard years um, recently, and I've still been able to be. Um, you know, soft and vulnerable and compassionate and empath empathetic through all of that. So I don't think it's a, I have to be in a 100% solid, amazing, superhero, good place to then allow myself to be vulnerable. I think, yeah, you're, you're not going to flip a switch. You're living a fluid existence and it's more about just being a good human being, right? So, yes. and I really see it as situational and I talk with Coralie about this and, and, and it's, and again, the more we have these conversations, you can start to hone these thoughts so they get a little bit more clear and succinct, yes. but I see it as, as every situation requires a ratio of both. So I think if you approach every situation, you're not thinking, okay, this is the situation and I'm going to apply this much grit and this much vulnerability, but energetically you come into whatever you're coming into and you realize this is going to take a little bit of softness. Right. This is going to take a little bit of grit here. This this person needs a little bit of grit, but they also need a little bit of understanding on this regard. So where are they at? Like you're meeting meeting students, meeting rookies, meeting um, patients on calls. Like what do they need? Do do they need 100% grit right now, or do they need 100% vulnerability? Do they need a 50/50? Do they need a 60/40? Like what what is it? And I think the more you start to master that skill, the more you do it effortlessly. It's just the way that you pick up on the vibe of what's going on and you know how to apply, you know, that approach. And I think that's what makes you, I think it makes you a, a, a much better first responder. And especially in situations where, and I've talked about this a, a few times, that there's quote unquote nothing we can do, right? We know the person has passed on. Um, you know, there's nothing gritty for us to do in that situation. There's no window to break or door to force or, you know, stove range to smash or kitchen covers to pull down or ceiling to pull. It's like this requires heart and humanity, right? And if we don't know how to apply that, then I think we kind of leave those situations feeling like we didn't do anything, right? You, you leave there feeling like I didn't provide, like I didn't help. Um, and then I think that's when those calls, yeah. that's when those calls really stick with you. But if you know how to really fully be present with people and be loving and compassionate and comforting to them, even when there's nothing to do, that's a lot to do, right? And if you can do that, you now leave these calls. Yeah, you leave these calls. Obviously, they're still tragic. They're still, you can still be frustrated and mad and angry and your worldview can be challenged. And it may take you a while to process all that, but what you can leave that call with was I was there in this way. Like I was a good human being with these people in this situation. Yes. So I leave that feeling like I did some, I did really, really good. I did some good on this call for these people. So now that helps me, that helps me personally on the tail end process the call and not care, just carry the tragedy of it that I got to bury with alcohol. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. I mean, bad calls so can there. bad calls can become good calls. Not that they're an amazing go further, high. Go further with that. Yeah, not that they're an amazing, not a good call as in like, you know, it's amazing high five super skill that we applied and, you know, my fitness was top notch. I mean, I don't mean that kind of good or a good, the good feeling like, oh, we, you know, we helped a, a, a little lady across the street or, you know, helped write her, write her in her chair or something like that's not what I mean, like a, as a good call. I mean, really, really hard calls can be seen as good calls because we did good in them. Right. We just like fires. We don't want we don't want bad things to happen to good people. Honestly, I think all of us would prefer if there was never any fires and no one ever got in car accidents and no one died like if we want to speak truthfully, we would probably be happy if that never happened to anybody. But it does happen, and it happens all the time. So someone's got to show up, and someone's got to do it. And then so sure. we had this mentality of like, well, if bad things are going to happen, I want to be there to help. Right? So I think we need to somehow come away from these heavy calls, challenging calls, with having felt we've done some good. So when I look at back at really challenging calls that I felt I was a really good human being, 
that's what I look back at that call as. The tragedy is going to happen. I can't control that it happened, but I showed up. I was yeah. a good human being. So now when I think back, I, I'm, I'm, I feel proud of how I was. So that helps me feel better when I look back at the catalog of the calls I've been on. I'm not yes. just I'm not just carrying the tragedy. That's right. That's right. You know, you were there to affect, uh, to make it better, and to be a, to be a good person, to be a good human, goes so far. And I, I find that trying to explain that, trying to demonstrate that on the daily, to watch. You know, sometimes I like to just take a half a step back and see if somebody else is willing in the crew to take a half step forward, to take on that job of of making things just a little bit better maybe a a conversation with a with a loved one or a conversation with the homeowner who just had their you know a fire or a death in their family and we're there to handle the situation who's who's stepping up who's taking that half a step forward to take that lead and have that just human connection and conversation that can go so far but i love how you brought it back to the part of that healing process Right. We all have a catalog of tragedy, as you put it. Right. How do how do we get ourselves past that? Because we do have to deal with it at some point. We're dealing with it. We're dealing with our past. We're dealing with that catalog. And it's I think it's you're 100 percent right. It's those takeaways where we're trying to do our good. We're trying to bring something positive out of a negative situation. And I think that just being a good human being and being there on the human side for people goes so, so far, not just for the person that you're affecting, but yourself as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I never want to, because I've, I've experienced this, I never want to discount, minimize um, challenging things that are hard, that stick with people. Um, post-traumatic stress, you know, people that are actually dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, like... I've been speaking about these for years. So again, I'm, I'm prefacing this, right? But if we're looking at a way of like, how do we solve this, right? How do we make this better? How do we minimize the post-traumatic stress? How do we minimize the post-traumatic stress disorder situations? Um, you know, I think we need to have the conversation like this about, about perceiving things in a different way, about being able to take different yeah. things away from calls. Because if we don't... yeah then all the only narrative we have is how ugly everything is and how and this job and all the things we see and how it beats me down. And, and again, like it does, again, that's not, no part of me saying it in that way is me saying that it doesn't, but I'm saying if that's, if that's all we do is see it from that lens, then that's all we're going to carry and it's never going to change. So we have to pull some light out of this darkness somehow. And I think yes. through, through this conscious action, it's not just a, a it's not just an ethereal thing that's floating out there that's airy-fairy. Like, I'm not asking for, um, you know, for, for pixie dust and, and unicorns. Like, this is not what it is. It's an actual thing you put into practice. And you, and you say on the, on, on the daily, like, well, you know, with patients, putting a hand on the shoulder, sometimes with patients that are, you know, semi-conscious and, and you know, combative, I've, I've placed my hand on their forehead and I've spoken softly to them as if I'd speak to my, my own mother or my, or my family member. And, and I've, I've seen them physically relax and calm. And yes. then I feel relaxed and calm. And they know that they're comforted and, and supported. And I feel like I'm supporting them. So all of a sudden, everything, something good is coming out of that. There's a connection there. So... The problem is and we've always been taught or it was common to teach guys to disconnect. I have to disconnect because i got to focus on the job at hand. What I'm saying is I think it's wrong. I think the more you can connect, the more that you, yes, it may be hard for you to then process the emotional side of that, but you're carrying that connection that you connected with that person. You're carrying that from that call as well. So I don't think the whole barriers and stoicism and, and guys can mm. sometimes wear that as a badge of honor, right? They want to mm -hmm. talk about the war. They want the war stories so that they can be, they can fit in with the other guys with the war stories, right? So we, we as the senior, more senior members, if we start showing up, showing like, hey, you can kick ass, right? And you can pull hose and you can flow and move and you can throw ladders and force doors, but you're also seeing me do this, Right. So the only way that I interject this into the culture is if I can do all the things that the hard asses can do and I show that I can still do the other side. Yes. I have to prove that you can do both. I, yes. Yes. Like, absolutely.
Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. That's beautiful. Very well said. Is that what kind of led you then into pursuing the podcast in a way? Like to share your experiences, your thoughts, your ideas, you know, seeing that there's a, a way to share your knowledge, your experience in, in other, um, you know, platforms or, or ways of delivery? Yeah, that was the training officer experience too. So again, let, let me just—I'll I'll start again by saying that 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 experience in there was very much a, oh shit, I know what I don't know now. So I was yeah. in a very humbled, humbled place, um, but I I then had the tools in front of me and the opportunity through uh, recruit classes and you know um, and doing more and more instruction and putting myself out there and you know doing it imperfectly. Um, I had the opportunity to to get better at. Um, well, I think what Kyle, Kyle Ramagas talks about how he's really good at packaging information and explaining it to people. I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> Even just him saying that is like, again, that he shows that he's so good at what he does. So I got better and I have that, I have that phrase now. I, I got really good at packaging information and explaining it. Um, and then I was also deeply involved with peer support at the, at, you know, for, for most of my career and still am. So I always felt like I wanted uh, the, pe- the people I'm teaching to have that experience and to have that realization. So that's kind of why it all coalesced. But it was it was a, a recruit or two during recruit classes that said, hey, you know, you should you, know, you should write a book or you should do a podcast. I'd listen to it. And I was like, I, you know, I took the compliment. I'm like, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And, um, you know, for someone to say, hey, you know, I would sit and listen to you talk about some things. Yeah. That's that's pretty powerful. Right. But I took the compliment, but sure. I but I tabled it and I didn't really think much of it like oh I didn't have like I'm going to drive out there and get this done and then a few things in life just sort of fell into place and the opportunity was there I'm like well and then I really like the concept of the fact that I can I can create something and put it out there and no one is forced to interact with it so I'm not I'm not out here like you know forcing people into a classroom and telling them and pointing a finger and screaming and telling them they have to listen to me and then they got to do a test on what I said and like I'm going to evaluate them like that's not the thing like I literally just put it out there and people can and people will tell you whether it's crap or not (laughs) they certainly do right so but but then but then if if the good feedback comes back it's like okay that's that's your audience that's people that's the culture your family telling you this is good the way you're approaching this is is beneficial you should do more of it you should so you start to get that feeling and you and you keep rolling with that and I think that's why it's just kind of organically grown the way it's grown. There's never been any intention for me to be on it. If, if, if anything, the opposite, I've always wanted to pull myself out of it as much as possible and make it more and more about the guest, just as you're doing today as the guest host kind of right um, dynamic. So uh, the more I pull myself out of it and I wanted to highlight, you know, people that I thought were great people. Um, I also then that also gave me the confidence to be like, OK, I'm not doing this for me. It's not about me and my ego. I'm doing this for the right reasons. I have good intentions. Just keep doing it with good intention. And I think it's just, you know, it's been five years of doing that. And now I think there's starting to be a little bit of traction. And you know what? If it, if it lasts another year, it lasts another year. If it lasts another 10, it lasts another 10. But um, I, I'm, I'm, it's a privilege to be at the table and be part of the conversation for a brief period of time. Do you find it to be a little bit of therapy for you? Yeah, I think I think learning is is therapy. I think hearing things from other people's perspective is therapy. Um, you ever, you ever have a moment when you're doing an episode and you're having a great conversation and the, you just sit back and go, yep, that just clicked. Like I've been trying to play with it in my brain. I haven't put it together. And then boom, it happens to me often all the time. And then that's the, yeah. that's the gift. Yeah. That's the gift that the person is giving you. Right. And, yes. th- and this is what real conversations about. That. This is what real conversation is about. And, uh, even really, really good friends that I've, you know, uh, you know, I had my buddy, uh, Peter Reed on, uh, for episode two and I'd known him since I got on. So, you know, since 98 and here you think, you know, everything about your very, very close friends and to sit down for yeah, like right. a couple hours and just solely focus on them. Like I, I came away from that learning so much more about him. So that is the, what I get out of it. I really get like, yeah, I get a lot out of it too. <laughs> Yeah. And that's for me is like, you know, it, it, that's fuel for me too. That's my selfishness that I talk about that. I, like I need this as much as I want to push out guests and opportunities into 
you know, teach and train and learn and, and all these wonderful things that come from a podcast. You know, I find that my selfishness of it is I need this conversation today with you because it makes me better. It pushes me to think differently. It challenges me to want more. And that, for me, is the selfish side of what I do. Yeah, and then for me, having you on, you know, in very short time after this, that'll that'll flip the tables and, and I'll be getting that from you, right? So it's this really cool, yeah. this really, really cool yeah. give and yeah. take. And, you know, I think we'll all agree we got into this job because we didn't want something that's just static and repetitive every day. You know, guys guys want you know they want novelty they want things to be challenging they want things to be new that's why they're on they're in this job so um the more that we do this too that the more you know things aren't static in your brain the more things are getting nuanced yes. the more things are opening up and you're like ah and there's that kind of like that's kind of like a drug for us right that that whole opening up perspectives and then again trying to integrate it into who you are and then actually trying to put it into practice that's where the rubber hits the road and then and then you'll do that you'll see a different experience occur in your life and you're like huh and you just keep following yeah. that path right yeah <laughs> i'm such a different guy today than i was yesterday let alone five six years ago yeah it's cool you know it's good I mean? like it's it's fun to and even like my kids they see it my wife has seen it like you're different you know, mm -hmm. you're different, Dad. You're different. You know, you you stop and take pause or you, you know, just little things that I do today that I never would have done before. And I, I'm grateful that I've had this experience and meet people like yourself that make me want to be better. And yeah. I think that that's, you know, it's so easy to say like, oh, you know, surround yourself with like-minded people. But, like, there's something to that, but it's even more than that, right? Surround yourself with diversity. Surround yourself with people that don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people that do agree with you. Surround yourself with people that are a thousand times smarter. All of those put together make you better if you're willing to listen. If you're willing to want to be better. Yeah, willing to it took listen. Took me a long time to learn that, Scott. Yeah, willing to listen is a huge thing. And Brent Brooks, I heard him talk about it on uh, the weekly scrap about. Um, mm. He was talking about high-rise firefighting and ventilation, and he said is how important it is to take yeah. tactical pauses, right? So it's okay to take a tactical pause in a moment and recognize when that is, when you can breathe, think about the situation deeper, and then make a choice and start acting again. And I think I and I I extrapolated that to a, you know any firefighting activity like i've thought about it even stretching a line to the front door you know that's kind of like fast paced um you know you're you're trying to get masked up with your you know with your gloves on and you're you're waiting for water um and then but once you're on air and that line's open and now i've i've trained myself and i pass this on to the people too is like take that huge deep breath right and take kind of a tactical pause okay you're in a winning position now you got the weapon open you know, you're at the door, you got to let the water work, you know, learning that from Kyle and all these greats like Jay Bonifield and Aaron and, you know, let the water work. So you have a moment there to take a tactical pause where you don't always have to be moving 100 miles an hour. And then that breathing and that relaxation, now you're going to, we all know, then then you start to make better decisions. So I'd extrapolate that even farther to what you're saying is that we do this in our real in our real life where if something's occurring and you feel yourself getting amp, amped up. There's times where we can just take a tactical pause yeah. And just and just be introspective for a moment and then choose our words as opposed to always being in a reactive state like an amped up dog, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. There's a lot there for sure. I love mm -hmm. tactical pause. Brent Brooks is a rock star. Yeah. Such a gentleman. Yeah, love that guy. Um, so smart in, in his craft. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this. I want to pivot just a little bit. Sure. Mentorship. Mm -hmm. You early on in your career, um, until those doors opened for you to find the world outside of Southern Ontario, Canada, mm -hmm. right? Um, what was what was the mentorship like for you early on? Did that help you in crafting who you are today? Oh, sure it did. Um, you know, yeah, my, so my dad was on the same department uh, that I got onto. Um, he never he never pushed the job on me, but I always noticed his professionalism. Um, mm. you know, he'd always have his uniform set out the night before and his, you know, his shoes were polished. Not that I'm a shoes polished every single day. I'm just saying like, <laughs> we don't, we don't take all the great things from the greats before us, but we yeah, take some right. of them, but yeah, I'm just trying to paint a picture of like the things I noticed. Sure, right. Sure. Um, sure. so I, and I kind of got from him the feeling of, uh, you know, the work ethic, 
um, in how to approach things. Uh, so I had that from him. And then when I got on, there were a lot of guys on the job, like a bunch of them been on longer than I've been alive, right? Which is which is weird because now I'm literally in that situation. So I've you know been on a certain amount of time, and there's a rookie at my hall, and you know she's wow, she she's that age. So it's so it's literally just flipped, right? So I look back now, and um, you know, and they they may not have had all of the access to all the resources that we have today, and the UL studies and. It's just a glut of stuff to like, oh my God, like how do you not get better at this job now? You've got everything at your feet, right? Um, but they were very, very, they were, they were that, you know, as stereotypical as it seems, they were the gritty, salty, like they were seasoned. They were um, very trustworthy and there was some calming in that of like whatever they do and whatever they say, I'm going to do it. Um, they were supportive. Uh, they were challenging. Um but I, and so I, I look back on now and I feel really kind of blessed that I feel uh, like I straddled two generations. Like I feel like I, cause, cause right now, technically at 25 years on, I should be the salty firefighter to the rookie that's in my hall right now. But I'm, but I'm not, yep. I, when I, we talk about the salty dogs, you and I talk about the generation before us, like the, the world's greatest generation. Yep. That's who we're talking about. So maybe that's where this, you know, tough and love kind of coalesce together is that I feel I have one foot in that stoic, hard ass, you know, cigars kind of world, which has huge value. And I also have a foot in the softer, kinder, gentler world, which also is really important, has a lot of value. But there's also detrimental things in both of those approaches too so it's about pulling the best from both right so i think that's maybe why you and i have this kind of standing on we have a foot on both mountains right and we're able to see both that's, sides and learn from both sides this is why this is why i do a program called bridging the gap the generation x era you and i right i'm 40 i just turned 47 two days ago yeah i'm 48 generation x graduated yeah, yeah, yeah. graduated high school in 95 mm -hmm. our generation knew life before the internet and we know life after the internet. We bridge that gap. We do stand with a foot on each mountain because we have two different generations, the one before us and the one after us, that we bridge that gap. Our generation are the people that push the narrative forward to connect those two generations together. And that is a big part of what the fire service is about today. Guys, in our, in our lane, that Generation X generation, we are the ones bridging the gap. We have to. And it's I think our job because we we don't we don't know any better. Go ahead. And if we want to use that, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility. I think yeah. this thing, yeah. this thing you and I just mentioned here, this is our opportunity. This is what the fire service needs to carry forward in the proper way. So we do not lose. There's traditions and mentalities and grit and approach that needs to be carried forward. And it cannot it for over our dead bodies, we cannot let it go. Okay. Amen. But, Drop the mic. I'm out of here. But yeah. but there's also with that older school, and it's and it's again, it's it's not they never did it malevolently. It's just a generation they were brought up in. They didn't have necessarily overall, I didn't say not all of them, but overall there wasn't as high an emotional IQ as there is now. Right. Right. Oh, 100%. Right. So we cannot let the we cannot let that toughness go we cannot but we can inject and, and again we don't have to let it go at the at the price of bringing in you know being softer and gentler and kinder one doesn't have to be given up for the sake of the right. other so this is our power this is our great responsibility is to be able to be able to um, verbalize this and be able to uh, enact it in our daily life and around the fire hall. And the more that we do that, that's when we now set the new culture. I love it. I mean, you're yes. in in so much there, I was going to ask you where I took the mentorship. I was then going to ask you, you're now in a mentorship role. Yeah. And so it's now, and you just, you just wrapped that up beautifully, right? It's that, you know, it's, it's still, it, it's being in a mentorship role today. It's still maintaining those core values of that blue collarness, that grit, that toughness that has to succeed in the job, but it has to be packaged with today's delivery and today's understanding. 
Um, and that is difficult for many when it comes to mentorship to truly understand how to bring forth old school values with today's points of view and today's way of life. And it takes a unique individual that can package that in a way that promotes the job and pushes the job or bring it even smaller, pushes your fire company to the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and never at any point when, when we have conversations, we're always talking about ideals, right? So right now we're setting ideals forward for us to sort of strive yeah. towards. So again, just because we're the ones talking about the ideals doesn't mean that we feel like we do it perfectly every single day. And this is where with the 50 rules for the senior firefighter list, I, you know, I got help putting together and the 25 rules for the fire service instructor. I love that. Just because I had, I, just because they're there on the website doesn't mean that I'm, I, I've done, like, look at me. Like I, I do these every day and I've achieved this mountaintop and, you know, I'm perfect at this. It's just, they're just ideals for us all to sort of have conversations around and try and do better because there's days I'm shitty and I'm not a mentor and I'm, shoulda, woulda, coulda done better. And I'm like embarrassed and I got to try again. And there's days that I couldn't have nailed it any better. Right. So I try and get humbled as much as I can by those horrible shitty days and just accept you know, that I'm human. You know, that, that saying that I'm, you know, made up entirely of flaws stitched together with good intention. Right. And then I'm also trying to celebrate the wins when I know I knocked it out of the park. So if I can do a bit and of that's that, a, that's, yeah such a real conversation i think more of us need to have that conversation with ourselves mm -hmm. there are going to be days we're off there's going to be days that we snap there's going to be days that that you know we don't carry ourselves in the light in which we we do regularly and that's okay right i think a lot of what we have to focus on is it's okay just how do you get back like have a true conversation with yourself recognize that you're not yourself today recognize that you're having an off day and maybe with, through recognition of that, finding the plan of how do I get back? How do I get back to where I want to be? Yeah. And you, you get knocked down and you get sick. You, you, know, you lose a couple yeah. days of health and it's like, how do I get back? And you get an injury. I've had to go through that in this past year. It's like you get knocked down again. Sure. It's like, okay, how do I get back? And you look at meditation. Meditation is about you know, being perfect and having this clear mind. It's about your mind wanders and you bring it back. And your mind wanders and you bring it back. It's the practice of it. And so I think we can give ourselves some grace. We can give our lead, getting back to the start of the conversation, our leaders. We, yes, we need to have expectation of our leaders, but we also need to give them some grace, right? And, um, and with the rookies and, and that we're trying to mentor, uh, yes, we should be have, having expectations and be you know, firm with them, but we also need to give them a little bit of grace because we realized we were kind of fucking up along the way too. <laughs> and we still do. And we still do. So again, it's, it's, it's not everything is excusable, right? But we need to give each other a bit of grace here and there. Yeah, I love – so a couple things. You mentioned your 50 rules for senior firefighters. You have 25 rules for the fire service instructor. Um, really great. This is on your website, multiplecalls.com. Uh, um, and then also you have your list of credit. Right. I love that. Talk to me a little bit about where that comes from. Yeah, it's cool. I just um, interviewed um, – it's not out yet, but it's, it's in the queue to be edited uh, – Eric Wheaton. Um out of winter park yeah. and he yeah. he just recently yeah him. dude yeah. such a great guy i uh, can't wait to release that one um he just recently uh, uh put out the uh book of mentors and i loved how it's kind of in this it's that. in the same look as the book of andy and the book of shoop like which have been like bibles for me yeah. and so many other people so i'm like i got so excited when i watched how he did it like here's the picture here's a little blurb here's an invitation to go down the rabbit hole of why you should know this person right so uh, that to me is, is again, if I'm going to do a podcast, if I'm going to like put things out there, um, it's always credit where credit is due. Right. So in the commentary section, I think the first meme is like credit where credit is due. So I can't possibly keep up with it enough. Like I need to, like, <laughs> I told Corley, I literally sure. need to go through all your episodes and just put all the names on all your episodes on that credit page. But I'm, I guess to me, it was an effort to try and like, Give credit where credit was due. Here's amazing, amazing people, and there's probably hundreds on there, and there should be thousands and thousands more. Uh, but I think we need to celebrate each other. We need to hold each other up. We, we can get very caught up in the negative. Um, and I'm just very, yeah, I'm very gracious uh, to have had exposure to all these people. So I just want to make sure that they, you know, kind of shout their names from the rooftops. And that's one of the cool things Corley does with the Mount Rushmore, right? Like that's a, another 
another version of that. And now Eric with that book. So, you know, I think we do need to celebrate each other and hold each other up. And and it's okay, honestly, if other people want to celebrate us in small ways too, right? Um, because if you're always pushing away compliments, if you're always trying to self-deprecate and push yourself down, then you know, then who, what are we teaching to, you know, the, you know, the rookies coming up? It's like, well, you know, uh, I should be able to do great things and then I'll be accepted into the fold too, right? Like it's okay to take compliments. It's okay to celebrate what you're good at. It doesn't mean you're, you know, you're arrogant. You're just, you're, you've just done some good things and we need to celebrate each other. Just like when we pipe somebody out when they retire, it's the same thing. It's like credit where credit is due. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, I, you know, it's, <clears throat> I think that's a big part of like how humbling this all is for guys like us, right? That get to be stewards of the message, you know, looking through this list and looking at those names, it's, I, I, you know, I know probably 95% of them, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, it's a, it's a list of people that give so much back to the fire service. Mm -hmm. And I think, and what we need and what I want to make sure of is, you and I in other podcasts, you've mentioned Corley a few times and so on, like the other ep the other podcasts that are out there that are pushing a narrative, and, and I mean the narrative in a good way, mm -hmm. the positivity of the fire mm -hmm. service, right? Giving, giving a place for the voices of the fire service to be heard. We have an obligation, right? This is our little way of, of giving back and pushing this job ahead is providing platforms where people can share their knowledge and experience. And, and we need to be stewards of that. Um, but I want to challenge the next generation and the generation after them that we need more people diving in, going all in, and providing us the next generation of leaders. We need leaders. We don't need we, – we got all, all avenues of the spectrum, right? We got every lane you could possibly imagine, but we need leaders, and we need leaders – that can lead and they don't have to be chief officers or company officers they can be firefighters that master that want to master their craft that become good at something and they want to share it because they know that their experience and knowledge of what they can share will add value to the overall picture i want to i want to push this harder than i've ever talked about it before scott because i feel like we're not getting the next mm. graduating class of people mm to put things out there. And I I just want to push that and say we're hungry for that. There's guys like me with almost 30 years in the fire service that want the next 12-year to 15-year guy to start stepping up and mm -hmm. sharing some of his experiences mm -hmm. and knowledge because that's important. And it also comes from a different perspective, right? Yeah, I think as I'm going to approach this from um, the medical side of things. So when I would teach, e I would teach EMR, uh, and medical uh, BLS skills to firefighters, uh, they'd always want to approach it from what they're not. Well, you know, I'm not a paramedic. So, and, the, or, and then, and then the paramedic, I worked as a paramedic. The paramedics could say, well, then I'm not a doctor. And the doctor could say, well, I'm not a specialist, right? And the specialist could say, well, I'm not doing research and innovating. Yeah. It's like, if we're always focusing on what we're not, then we're not really focusing on what we actually are and just be really, really good at that thing, right? So, you know, be really good at BLS skills. Be, just focus on and do your part in the chain. And, you know, I've saved, I've saved more lives with a BVM than I have with a hose line or, or a VEZ, right? Just because of opportunity, not just, you know, just because you'll have the opportunity a lot more. So why not just be really, really good at that? Um, so the reason I'm, I'm prefacing with this is that if we always talk about maybe the word we need is um, what we need is more examples. Mm. We need people to be examples because if we're saying, well, we need people to be leaders, you get someone that, that comes on uh, as brand new as a rookie and goes, well, I'm not a senior firefighter yet. Right. And you get senior firefighters saying, well, I'm not a captain yet. And you get captains saying, well, I'm not a DC yet. And DCs, I'm not a, all the way up the chain. It's like just they'll they'll think I'm not in a leadership. I don't have a leadership title. I'm not in a leadership role. So then they, they sit back on their heels, not because they don't want to do something, but because they feel it's not their place. But I've even said to, you know, if you if you just graduate the academy, you have something of value to give someone that's just coming into the academy. 
like you don't need to be a 30 year, you know, from FDNY fought every fire there is to fight kind of person to be able to open your mouth and say something of value to somebody. It, you, you definitely don't need to try and be that other person or come up with that persona. That, yeah. that's the, but you have something to give. So then, you know, the person that's been on three years has something to tell that brand new rookie that's in their first day. So all you got to think about is like, well, who am I? What experiences have I had? What can I offer to this person that's in front of me? And then what can I do to be an example? So maybe what we don't, maybe what we need is not people thinking we need better leadership. We just need better examples at all levels. Thank you. Really well put together. Yes. I, yes. An example. That's exactly what I was gunning for. Because you can always be an example. Yeah. This is why I surround myself with smarter people because you're much more poetic than I am in putting putting words out there but that's it you're right be an example and I think that that really is the underlying theme of the past hour together is be an example whether it's being a better human being being a better firefighter better parent a better father or mother or spouse anything be an example I think when you hold yourself to that good things are going to happen for you mm-hmm. And the key is, if you're going to be an example, that doesn't mean you're, you need to be perfect. Let's just, that's the biggest piece right. right there is that just because I'm a mentor doesn't mean I'm perfect. Just because I'm trying to be an example as a good friend doesn't mean I'm perfect. Just because I'm trying to be an example as a good peer supporter doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm going to do it imperfectly. I'm trying my best. My intention is good. Give me some grace. I'll give you some grace. Awesome. Yeah. Really well said, Scott. Thank you. So where are we headed with multiple calls? Where are we headed in, in, uh, in your career? Give me a little rundown of what's next for you. What's exciting? Things on the horizon? Yeah, uh, we've talked about, we've had a YouTube channel for a long, long time, and it's just kind of sat there empty. <laughs> Everything takes time and energy, but we've kind of talked about ways to, uh, ways to use that properly. And then, you know, so maybe there'll be... Um, you know, some conversations that aren't necessarily uh, would be a full episode, but there may be a chunk there that uh, would be of some value uh, that doesn't quite fit on Instagram, but doesn't really quite fit as an episode. So we're going to try and play, I guess, with maybe putting some shorter excerpts on there and see if there's some value there. But but really, it's just about, you know, is this going to what kind of value is this going to bring? Right. It's not about, well, now we got to go down this road and go, we got to pump this up and make that bigger. It's like, no, this is this has been a lot a slow organic slog. Like, a, and that's fine. Um, I'm fine with doing things slowly as long as we're doing it with a good intention. So, there's no drive to like, you know, push the podcast. And you know, we celebrate our wins when we've you know we we got plays getting you know come in and we get downloads and you know feedback. Like, we're gonna celebrate all those wins because they are like that's really huge. Everything is icing on the cake, but everything has to be done for the right reasons. So. Um, we're not intentionally pushing hard, but some good opportunities are coming up and possibly connecting with a few awesome. other sponsors and that. So we'll see where that goes. That's great. And collaboration, right? I mean, having you on today on our, on, on my, on my show is just awesome. Mm-hmm. I think we need more of this. There's so many good things happening. You know, we can, we can look at, we can look at the negative. We talk about the fire service today and so many people are down about it and I'm so upbeat and positive about it. (laughs) And I'm looking at opportunities and things that are in front of us that we've never had before things that are promoting this job a hundred times further, but it's just so much easier to go down the negative trail than it is to push positivity and push forward. And I'm looking at the opportunities in front of us. And I think one of the biggest things we need to do yourself, me and the other guys that are out there doing what this is, is more collaborative work, to push this mission forward, right? And I think when you remove yourself out of the equation, we, we put the importance of pushing the job forward, bringing forth, being an example, that stuff matters. And when we do that, we win. We all win. And I think it's important. Yeah, I don't think we need to, to talk less. I think we need to talk more. Um, because the more Jordan yes. Peterson talks about this, every time he has a has, you know gives a mm. presentation, he's honing his thoughts and and learning something about himself. So, you know, when I first you know decided to do the podcast, I looked to see what was out there, and there were a few, and there were a few that were doing very well. And I could have said, well, someone's already doing this and just not done it, right? It's like, That's well, right. but every if every guitarist you know thought, well, you know, Gary Clark Jr. exists, so uh, I guess I better not play guitar, you know, then no one else would play guitar but him, right? And he would have thought the same thing about you know looking at Jimi Hendrix. So, 
you don't have to be amazing to do something that's going to be a value. So, you know, put yourself out there and, and if it, if it, you know, if something sticks, it sticks and, you know, have an experience, learn from it. I love it. Scott Hewlett. Thank you, brother. Thank you for joining me today, man. What a awesome conversation. Dude, loved Just it. Just to get to know you a little bit more, but I think we went down some, some great roads. For man. sure. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate the yeah. time. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, of course. Where can people find you? Promote. I want to promote the hell out of you. Where Thank can you. they find you and, and see what you're doing? Yeah, uh, so emails, multiplecalls at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we just you know shortened up the website. Uh, now it's multiplecalls.com. Uh, uh, IG is, uh, that's where you'll find me most often. Uh, it's at multiplecallspodcast. And then everything is just automatically generated into Facebook. So I'll drop into Facebook now and then just to see if there's any comments or questions. But I'm not very often building new content on there. I just kind of let IG... Uh, fill it up automatically um, but yeah that's that and then through the website you can actually make a submission which will email me so if you want to go the, the clunky way you can go through that way too but yeah lots of ways to reach out I, I love that stuff. I've got lots of uh, you know there's a lot there yeah so um, I'm always sort of having conversations with people I'm always up to talk shop please hit me up um, yeah love to have conversations so please reach out Awesome. Scott Hewlett, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Absolute pleasure getting to know you a little bit today uh, and looking forward to doing some projects down the road with you, man. So thank you again. Thanks, thanks Jeremy. Yeah, stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'm going to come right back to you, okay? Don't go anywhere. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Scott Hewlett, Multiple Calls Podcast. Check him out, multiplecalls.com. Check him out on Instagram and on Facebook. He's bringing so much to the game an insightful, powerful conversation today. This is one of those conversations I take away so much. I, I look at the notes that I have in front of me. Um, very well spoken. Scott really put together a hell of a show today with us, and uh, it was just great. So, guys, thanks for tuning in, and do me a favor. Take it back to the firehouse and talk about it, because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Fire Radio.